0: Welcome to the Wellsteading Podcast. This is episode 250. Today is October 17th, 2017. I'm your host, John Pagliano. I'm also the founder and money manager at InvestableWealth.com. Well, it being the middle of October and the start of the fourth quarter of 2017, we find ourselves in the midst of companies reporting their earnings. This is what's referred to on Wall Street as earnings season. It obviously happens four times a year because companies report quarterly. And in today's episode, I want to talk about the importance of earnings season and not really getting down in the weeds about what's going on in the current environment that we're in, other than to just give you some highlights about it. But really what I want to focus on is, as I try and do with most of these episodes, making it evergreen so that no matter what earnings season you happen to be listening to this episode in the future you can apply the concepts of what's so important about earnings and what to be looking for in that specific time frame. Before we get started in today's episode, I do want to give you an update on the websites. As I mentioned in the last episode, my tech guy was doing some updates, nothing to worry about, you know how that goes. Well, for about a week or two, the sites were loading really slowly and in some cases not at all, but that's all been repaired, that's all fixed one problem does remain and that's with bulk emails. And so if you were expecting to get an email notification for this episode today, you're probably not going to receive it. And more importantly, for those of you that are signed up for blog notifications or for the buy sell alerts over at investablewealth.com, those bulk emails are experiencing major delays as well. So for example, last Monday, October 9th, I posted an alert where I said that I felt that international markets were at a good secondary buy point. I listed the international markets that I'm currently in and specifically said that although some of these markets are coming under pressure, in particular Mexico, I think that once we get through these NAFTA negotiations, they're not going to be as bad as they had been. I made a video about that. I'd mentioned that before. I'll put that in today's show notes as well, the video where I talk about NAFTA and the Mexican ETF that I'm invested in, EWW. I put that in the show notes today. But anyways, last Monday, October 9th, I sent out this alert update so that those of you that were interested in getting into, you know, particularly emerging markets, but you missed the big jump, you know, six, seven months ago. That this may be a time for you to consider buying into those markets because, with the dollar appreciating and, you know, particularly things going on in Mexico like earthquakes and hurricanes and a little bit of political uh, instability down there right now, and then, particularly, the things going on with NAFTA. We've seen a really big pullback in Mexico. I chose not to sell Mexico because I'm not smart enough to be able to pick an exact top or an exact bottom. And I've got enough of a cushion for my investments earlier in the year going into the Mexican market where I can weather, I think, any short-term storms. I do think long-term, though, Mexico is headed up and to the right. That's why I think that this pullback is a good you know, secondary buying opportunity into that market. Now, I was expecting that Mexican ETF to hold at its 50-day moving average. It didn't do that. Yesterday, it got down to around the 200-day moving average, and it looks like it has gained support there. So again, if you're listening to this show anytime around October 17th, 2017, and you're interested in moving into emerging markets, you might want to take a look at EWW, that's a Mexican ETF, Many of you are still in the queue and you'll see that that email will trickle in over the coming days, but you can go directly to the website at investablewealth.com under observations and commentary. You can read that blog post. I've got a tech guy working through these email problems and hopefully in the near future these bulk emails won't be an issue anymore. Now on to today's main topic. And that's where I want to talk about earnings and the major importance of earnings season. And I guess the best way to highlight how important these quarterly earning statements are and forward-looking statements from companies, we can see that the impact they have just by looking at a chart of any index or any particular stock, and you can see that it goes through cycles or waves. Now, a lot of people make big deals about these and they come up with extremely complicated algorithms and people use Fibonacci numbers and all sorts of different ways that I think uh, in many cases amount to nothing more than numerology. But if you if you look at the charts, you will see definite cycles and patterns. And what I prefer to look at, rather than some esoteric algorithm, I like to look at simple moving averages. I've done YouTube videos on these. You've heard me talk about them for years here on the podcast. One of the basic and simplest moving averages, and the one that you'll hear talked about all over Wall Street, is the 50-day moving average. The reason this is so important and how it relates to earnings is that earnings are released every quarter. So in January, companies start to report their earnings for fourth quarter of the previous year. In April, they begin to release their earnings for first quarter of the year that they're in, and so on. So January, April, July, and October at the beginning of those months and then rolling out over, oh, about a three-week period or so, all the major companies on the Dow Jones Industrial Average, S&P 500, those big type companies all roll out their earnings and they tend to do it in groups. So just recently, the banking stocks started to report. Now, maybe not all of them do, but they, they tend to group together. So J.P. Morgan, Goldman Sachs, they've all announced. That's early in the cycle. Later in the cycle, retail stocks tend to report. So Walmart will roll out their earnings in another, say, week and a half. As these companies report their earnings and report their future guidance, you'll see major swings in stock prices and in the value of indexes like the Dow Jones Industrial Average or the S&P 500 or the NASDAQ. And since these earnings are reported quarterly, that's every 12 weeks, that's why you'll see a major ebb and flow on the charts. Now that 12 week period is really summed up in the 50 day moving average. Stocks trade 5 days throughout the business week and over a 10 week period that would be 50 days and so that's the 50 day moving average. That 50 day moving average is just shy of a full 12 weeks and so that's the cycle. That's why a 50-day moving average is so important. You heard me just recently say, I expected the Mexican ETF that I'm invested in to bounce off its 50-day moving average. Well, it didn't. It fell through that. That's not a good sign, but it's gaining support at the 200-day moving average, which is basically the annual average. If you don't believe in these simple moving averages just go out and pull up a major index, plug in a 50-day moving average, and study the chart, and you'll generally see that that 50-day moving average acts as resistance when the price is below it, and it acts as support when the price is above that 50-day moving average. In today's show notes, I'll put a link to a YouTube video where I showed how you could use something like Yahoo Finance to chart your own simple moving averages. It's not that difficult, but it's incredibly important and really a key principle to understanding investing in stocks. And what's the 50-day moving average telling us in general about the major U.S. indices? Well, the S&P 500 is at an all-time record high. It's, oh, a couple percent above its 50-day moving average. There's a likelihood that there's a little bit too much enthusiasm in there. We may see it pull back to the 10- or the 20-day moving average. But depending upon how these earnings estimates this quarter turn out, I think that S&P is going to keep moving higher. We see the same thing occurring over at the Dow Jones Industrial Average. It's up maybe 3% or so above its 50-day moving average, as is the NASDAQ. All these major U.S. indices are at or near their all-time highs. They're moving sideways a little bit. They're 2 to 3% above their 50-day moving average. For now, there doesn't appear to be any surprises, any negative information that's going to come out of these third quarter earnings. And so that allows us to maybe draw the conclusion that as we go into the end of the year, we're likely to get more good news and we're going to see a Santa Claus rally. And these markets are going to move even higher. I like to say that I don't have a crystal ball and I can't predict the future. But it's been my experience that if there is something that does foreshadow what's going to happen in the future... It's a stock market where you have rising earnings and a great deal of enthusiasm. That generally is a good sign for short-term appreciation in the stock market. And I want to really emphasize here that this is particularly important when you're in the earnings season where we're at right now in third quarter. Because as you start entering November and December, with a high level of optimism in the stock market, then it almost always results in a Santa Claus rally. And that's where a lot of money pours into the market through the end of the year and maybe into the first couple weeks of the new year. I have no idea if that's what's going to happen this year. And as of yet, I'm not confident enough in that thesis to put new money into the market. But for the money that I do have invested, at this point, I'm not planning on harvesting or taking any profits as long as the market continues to move along as it has. And that's an important distinction to draw. So I'm not putting new money into the market at this point, but I'm also comfortable leaving everything that I have in the market. The reason that earnings are so critical and important to the price of a stock is because that is ultimately the way we value any asset. It's based on the amount of earnings that it can produce. If you own real estate property, the intrinsic value of that real estate is based ultimately on how much you could get if you rented it and what kind of cash flow that would generate on a monthly basis. That's the same thing with stocks. You can forget about all the nonsense you hear from the talking heads on TV and all the pontificators, all the economic data and formulas they throw out. The only thing that really matters ultimately is the earnings. I say ultimately because yeah, short-term A lot of things can get hyped into a stock. This is particularly what happens with penny stocks or these momentum stocks that are all based on a story. You know, this supposed biotech company has a cure for cancer and it gets all hyped up and the price goes up really high and then it doesn't make it through FDA testing and the price of the stock falls apart because there are no earnings associated with that stock. So it's always about earnings and more specifically, it's about future earnings or anticipated earnings. You see, the stock market is kind of like your boss. Your boss doesn't care what you did for him 12 months ago. He's always asking you, hey, what have you done for me lately? And that's the way stocks are. We don't care if a stock made a ton of money 12 months ago because that is already factored into the price and any dividends associated with that have already been paid out to the people that owned the stock 12 months ago. What you should be concerned about when you're investing in a stock and you're looking for an appreciating stock price is you're looking for future increase in earnings because that's what's going to pay you dividends now and in the future and that's what's going to add to the appreciating stock price. So whenever you're looking at a stock, don't look at the price. Future earnings are what's critical and that's really the yardstick that you should be using to measure the value of your stock. Not the actual price itself. You know, People say to me all the time, hey, should I buy a stock that's $20 a share uh, because I can buy more of that than a stock that's $57 a share? Well, the actual share price means very little. And it really only has significance in relation to the past performance of that specific stock. I chart stock prices all the time. Stock prices are important when they're looked at through the lens of that individual stock and what its past history was. I'm always talking to you about price charts and, you know, we just talked about the importance of a 50-day moving average. That's averaging the price out over 50 days. But when you do that, you're looking at it in a vacuum. You're looking at it specific to that particular stock. You're not going to compare the price of Google to the price of Facebook. The price of a stock is only relevant to that specific stock. What you want to look at broadly to be able to get a comparison between all stocks is the forward price per earnings ratio. And I specifically say forward price to earnings ratio rather than just P.E. You often hear to it referred to as the price per earnings ratio or P.E. And a lot of times shorthand I'll talk about the P.E. But what I'm really referring to is the forward P.E. I want to know what the price per earnings ratio is estimated to be over the future 12 months, not over the past 12 months. I really don't care what the stock earned last year. I'm interested in what the analysts think it's going to make next year. Generally, if you see the price per earnings ratio in a stock chart or a table and it only says P.E., it probably is the trailing 12 months, the previous 12 months. And so when you're going through your stock tables, make sure you're using a source that's citing the forward price per earnings ratio, and that's generally abbreviated as FPE. And that gets down to the real gold nugget that you're looking for during earnings season. You should be much less concerned about what the companies are going to report as far as their quarterly earnings. In fact, most companies, by far the majority of companies, beat the earnings estimates for the current quarter that they're reporting for. And that's because these earnings are sandbagged. And I can say that with a lot of conviction because it always happens that way. If you look at the majority of S&P 500 companies, the vast majority always beat or exceed what the earnings forecast was for the quarter that has just ended. And that's the real rub. You see, what happens is companies put out rosy projections for what's going to happen in the future. That gets all the headlines. That drives the stock price up. And then as you get into the quarter, late on a Friday afternoon, they'll start whispering or putting out press reports where they reduce their forecast. And then so consequently, all the analysts that cover those stocks will very quietly adjust their forecast down. And they'll do that consistently throughout the quarter. And then as we get at the end of the quarter and the companies come out and announce their earnings, gee whiz, shazam. Everybody magically exceeds that quarter's earning estimates. Now, I'm being a little bit facetious here, but not much. That is generally the way it works. And so during earnings season, pay less attention about what the corporations made during the period they're reporting. Pay more attention on the guidance they give on future earnings. What do they say they're going to earn over the next three months? What are they going to earn over the next year? That 12-month earning projection is what's going to drive the forward P.E., and ultimately, that's the number that everybody looks at on Wall Street. And when you know what a company is going to earn over a 12-month period, you can take that earnings number and divide it into the price of the stock. That's what gives you the P.E. ratio, and you'll come up with a number like 15 or 25 or 37. It's that P.E. ratio, that future or forward P.E. ratio that you can use to compare the value of your stock against a similar stock. Because what that PE ratio is telling you is yield. It's telling you how much you're paying to get a particular earnings in the future. It's a little bit hard to follow because we're talking about numbers and you have to visualize it, and I know some of you are driving and commuting in your car right now, but this is really critical. Think about what I'm saying. The price of a stock really doesn't tell you anything, but the future price per earnings ratio of that stock tells you the actual value. It's the return that you can potentially expect to receive on your investment. And by understanding that yield, you can compare it to other investment opportunities. So, for example, right now, 10 year Treasury is paying approximately 2.3%. So, visualize this for every $1. You invest in U.S. Treasuries, it's paying a yield of 2.3%. And so that's an earnings of 0.023 on every dollar you invest. If you invest a dollar, you're going to get 2.3 cents back. And so if you take one and divide it by that yield of the 10-year Treasury, 0.023, you then calculate a forward price per earnings ratio for a 10-year Treasury of about 43 times earnings it's actually closer to 43 and a half times earnings. That then becomes your yardstick for what a very safe forward price per earnings ratio would be. It's also an extremely high price per earnings ratio. And you know that because you can compare that price per earnings ratio against specific stock price per earnings ratios. For example, over the next 12 months, Walmart is expected to earn about $4.63 per share. Current price of Walmart stock is around If you divide that out, more or less, you're going to come up with a P.E., a forward price per earnings ratio, of about 18.5 times. Now, 18.5 times means that you're paying a whole lot less for the earnings that are expected from Walmart over the next 12 months than the 43.5 times earnings that you're going to pay to be in a very safe government bond. And you can do this with any stock. For example, let's look at Google. Google is expected to earn about $40 a share over the next 12 months. Current price for Google is about $1,010 a share. And so people might look at the price of Google and say, wow, $1,010 a share, that's overpriced. Well, remember, the price of the stock really has no bearing on its value. If you take that $40 per share that Google is expected to earn over the next 12 months, and you divide that into the share price, you're going to come up with A forward price per earnings ratio of about 25 times. Now that 25 times earnings is a higher price multiple than you'd pay to own Walmart, but it makes sense that you would want to pay that type of a premium because long-term Google probably has better growth opportunities and overall better future earnings potential in general than an old stodgy retailer like Walmart. And so it may make sense to pay 18 times earnings for a Walmart, and to pay a higher 25 times earnings for a tech growth company like Google. And you can see that both of them are extremely inexpensive when you compare them to the absolute safety of being in a 10-year government treasury where you'll be paying a premium of 43 and a half times earnings. Let's look at one more of these. Let's look at Apple. Apple is currently trading for $160 a share. Now, again, someone may look at that and say, well, Apple's you know, a technology company. Google's a technology company. Google's trading for over $1,000 a share. Well, Apple's only trading for $160 a share, so Apple's cheaper, so I'm going to buy Apple. Well, again, that price means nothing. It comes down to the value. What's the price per earnings ratio based on future earnings? Well, Apple is expected to make about $11 per share over the next 12 months. If you divide that $11 of earnings into a price of about 160 dollars you come up with a forward price per earnings of only about 14 and a half times. So on a valuation basis, even though Apple's share price of $160 a share is significantly higher than Walmart's price, when you're looking at that forward price per earnings ratio, that's what's telling you where the value is. Now, I don't have time to get into in this episode... But there are many other factors that are baked into this equation that I'm just providing you with a very high level explanation. And for example, what I mean by that is that when we're looking at this price per earnings ratio at Apple, we're not considering the cash that Apple has on hand. That would even more drastically reduce the price per earnings ratio and make Apple an even more undervalued company. Apple has squirreled away something like $120 billion of cash that it has sitting primarily in offshore bank accounts. So it doesn't have to pay taxes on it, but that's another story. That's a huge cash reserve. That amounts to probably something in the neighborhood of half of their overall sales per year. If you factor that into the price-per-earnings ratio, you're going to come up with even a much lower multiple. The other thing that we're not factoring in on both Apple and Walmart is the fact that they pay a dividend. And so when you try and compare something like a Walmart against a Google, which doesn't pay a dividend, you have to factor in the trade-off. You're not going to receive the same stock appreciation growth in the price of Walmart stock compared to Google stock. What you will receive with Walmart is a quarterly dividend payment. And for older people or people that are relying on the income, that's a very important consideration. Because if they invest in Google, the only way that they can take money out of that stock is to specifically go in, sell shares, and take a capital gain. That presents a problem whenever you go through some type of a downturn or a pullback, particularly in the general economy, where it's disadvantageous to sell the stock when it's trading at a low or when it's below its 50 or 200-day moving average. And so if you were in retirement and you were relying on your investment income and you get a market pullback. If you're invested in Walmart, you don't have to sell your shares at Walmart to receive that quarterly payment. You're just going to receive the dividend and you continue to hold your stock until things improve and the price or the value of your Walmart stock does go up in the future. You continue to receive income during the bad times. Where if you were invested in a non-dividend paying stock like Google, you would have had to sell the shares at an inopportune time and you dilute the overall amount of shares that you own for when the stock does ultimately appreciate in the future. How about I digress. Here's the bottom line. Earnings season is very important. Look at any chart and you'll see January, April, July, and October as key points for price movement on any major indices or major stock. When the CEOs come out and they start talking about their earnings and their past performance over the quarter, You can ignore all that mumbo-jumbo and focus on what they say about future sales and future earnings. Take that number that they've projected that they're going to earn over the next 12 months, divide it into the current stock price, come up with your forward price per earnings ratio, and then use that valuation to assess it against other investment opportunities that you have. Do you want to go for safety and go into a 10-year government treasury? Well, that's fine, but if you do... Know that you're paying a huge premium for it because currently, as I mentioned, that's about 43 and a half times earnings. Rather than do that, you may decide to take on some risk and buy into a stock, a big blue chip Dow Jones industrial company that's out of favor, but yet pays a high dividend and yet is unlikely to go bankrupt. And so, yes, there's risk associated with it over the short term, but over the long term of, say, multiple years. Most Dow Jones Industrial blue chip companies are going to appreciate in value. And so you can pay 43 times earnings in a 10-year government bond and receive 2.3% dividend. Or you could right now buy Walmart stock, which is in my current portfolio. It's paying a very similar yield as a 10-year treasury. It's paying about 2.38% based on today's prices. So that's slightly more than a 10-year government treasury. But the forward PE, the actual valuation that you'll pay to own Walmart, as we've discussed, is 18 and a half times earnings. And that's versus the 43 and a half times earnings you would pay to be in a government 10 year bond. These numbers are a little bit confusing, particularly when they're spoken verbally. But pull out a piece of paper, take a pencil, and work out these equations. They're very simple math. And they're things that you should understand as an individual investor as you try and determine the valuation price discovery between different investment opportunities that are available to you. So don't listen to the talking heads, don't believe the hype, ignore the headlines, do some simple calculations, determine what your best investment opportunities are, and then put a plan in place to profit from those opportunities. It isn't necessarily easy, but it is pretty simple. How do I know it's simple? Well, I'm a pretty simple guy, and it's worked out for me over these past 30 years. And if you come on back for the next episode of the Wealth Setting Podcast, I'm sure I'll have more things to share with you about what I'm doing in the stock market. Hey, until then, as always, this is John Pugliano wishing you the very best returns.